Hello and welcome to episode three of Past the Peanuts. My name is Mac. My name is Sean. And my name is Keith. This evening we'll be interviewing up-and-coming young buck, our director and writer, as it were, Nicholas Damien Hunt, who is producing a new movie called Safe Place, which is due out sometime in 2017. We asked him about that movie, among other horror-related questions. So we hope you guys enjoy it. And our Jason X review is coming soon. We'll probably record that uh, next few days. Yes. Stuff to say about that. Don't worry. Hitting it both barrels. Okay, so now you'll hear our fabulous interview with brilliant young man Nick Hunt. Woo! Woo! Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin. Well done, Slytherin. However, 10 points from Gryffindor. I believe that's in order. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, they suck. They're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> this is that freak with the fucking weird thing on his head showed up. The whole class just got to shit. That yeah. fuck freak. <laughs> 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 Good night, Nick Hunt. This is Mac from Mondo Cool Movie Dudes. I have Sean and Keith with me here. Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Ah, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. So you guys are located in Maine, correct? Yes, we are. How's the weather in Maine right now? So I'm guessing it's a lot colder than Florida. Yeah, we're like early, mid-70s. So oh, we're here. That sounds pretty nice. We've had oh. kind of a warm, humid October. <laughs> so the cold is just starting to hit us now pretty hard. But it feels like Halloween. A little bit. I like that when it gets cold. I can actually withstand the extreme cold. I lived in North Dakota, actually, for a brief time. That's one of the few states that's even colder than us, I guess. So I guess to start it off, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and the movie you're doing, Safe Place? I am 32 years old. I currently live in Central Florida. I've been a huge movie fan ever since I was extremely young. I have a very wide variety in my taste, and I'm hoping to bring that audience aspect of a fan to being a filmmaker, number one. And as far as Safe Place goes, Safe Place is a extremely visceral, emotional horror movie that uh, I started making actually 10 years ago when I wrote the original script. Was that when you first got into filmmaking? Was about 10 years ago? Yeah, um, I, I wrote this script and uh, I really hadn't planned on doing anything aside from taking all of my friends and maybe possibly doing like a back yard style movie and then other things kind of got uh, in the way life got in the way of course in february i kind of found myself going to full force with this thing like 200 miles an hour a friend of mine who works for a studio that i can't actually mention at this moment found the script in a storage room in new york city he told me that he really wouldn't have a problem trying to sell it but their involvement was contingent on a final product so that's what i'm trying to accomplish and make something that is truly a game changer in our genre right now. Without giving too much away, how is it going to change the game in the horror genre? What I've been saying mostly is that we as horror fans are evolving. We as audiences are evolving. There's certain things that we want to see, certain things that we used to want to see, and we really as a society want to be brought back to that emotional experience. And we also want it done in a smart way. Me personally, I as an audience member don't think that people want to see people making stupid decisions anymore. Yeah. We don't want to <laughs> see people that make stupid decisions, they either have sex, do drugs, and then they die. We've seen it before. We want to see people fight, and despite the turmoil they're going through, either they live or die. That takes breaking barriers down, using really strong minority characters and really strong female characters, things that you don't really see in a slasher movie. At the end of the day, we make an emotional, visceral experience that will hopefully scare the hell out of people and will leave a memorable impression. That sounds awesome. That sounds really exciting. Thanks, I, mean, I, I really appreciate it. It's been years and years of evolution. Because the movie is 10 years dated, yeah. we really wanted to make sure to have like a modern script attached that's reflective of this side of the world and this time in the world. Because there is a little bit of underlying social and political commentary behind Safe Place. The message of the movie is that you can't really run away from the world outside. That you just have to fight through it like hell. Sometimes you live or sometimes you die. I like that. That's cool. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty interesting, actually. What were some of the first horror movies that you saw as a kid that really stuck with you, that really got you into the genre? One of my 
all around favorites has to be the original 1985 Fright Night. Yeah, I mean, that's a great one. That is a great one. I mean, everything from the cast to the music, to the, the, the effects, the writing, it was just a fun movie. It was a great ride. You know, and then of course, uh, the Friday the 13th films, you know, I have Jason actually tattooed on me. Jason is one of those people, if it was Jason versus the Golden Girls, I would go out and watch it. That sounds you know, pretty good to me. If Jason invaded Disneyland, I'd go out and watch that. <laughs> I would definitely watch yeah, that. Hell yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I, I know Jason versus Betty White. Come on. <laughs> I have a very eclectic face. I like a lot of stuff that people don't normally like. You know, I like my old Peter Jackson, my Dead Alive, and my Bad Taste. Oh, yeah, I love that. You know, I like my Toxic Avengers or my uh, House on Sorority Rose. But then, you know, I really like, especially a lot of the foreign markets right now, the French, the German, the Norwegian, stuff like Dead Snow, Martyrs. Oh, Dead Snow, that's a good one. There's so much good stuff out right now, especially on the independent circuit. What are some of your favorite horror movies from, let's just say, the last five years or so? I'm going to all run through, like, maybe five of them that I can remember. Starry Eyes was one of them. I think it came out in 2014, 2013. Has this breakout, awesome female star in it named Alex Esso. She's most recently in The Neighbor with Bill Ingle, where he, like, takes, like, this psychotic horror term, which is really weird, that... Starry Eyes is like David Lynch meets David Cronenberg. That sounds like a really good combo. Some of the better stuff. I loved Fidi Alvarez's Exist. It was a big film movie that he did maybe a year before Evil Dead. That was a really good one. And you know, I, I have a hard time thinking of uh, recent movies off the top of my head. When it comes to the classics, it's a no-brainer. I can name off 200 movies. You know, there's so much good stuff out right now. There's so many really good, talented filmmakers out there. That it, it's hard to iron out just a couple of them. Yeah, that's so, true. So many people just put such dedication to them. If you can, divulge the details, who's doing the score for your movie? And what kind of a musical score will it be like? We are actually doing the 80s inspired retro synth oh, thing. We have an award winning composer by the name of Lucas Quinn. He has actually made this really awesome theme song uh, among a couple other tracks for the movie and it's called Welcome to Safe Place and you can actually find that on YouTube right now. It's very reminiscent of stuff like the Puppet Master theme, um, Two of nice. Bells from The Exorcist. Halloween. You know, it was very important from the beginning of this movie that I really wanted to kind of channel that retro synth soundtrack that's really similar to movies like The Guest and It Follows. Oh, yeah. Because I, I love those, like listening to uh, stuff like Survive. A lot of that stuff really coming back. And I, I was actually watching Return of the Living Dead earlier today, and I was like, oh, I was like, not the same concept so worked back then. That's a great movie, too. I love that Return of the Living Dead. Speaking of Friday the 13th, I recently caught up on the whole series. I've seen all 12 now, and we're actually doing yeah. Jason X for our next episode. And I was wondering, what are some of your favorite and some of your least favorite movies in that series? I like a lot of the entries that a lot of people don't like. I would have to say top three would be Friday the 13th, the final chapter would have to be number one, Jason Lives, and then The New Blood. In that order, because I love the final chapter one, it's probably one of my favorites. Plus, I mean, you have Corey Feldman and the Yeah, Christian Glover is always great. Yeah, he's awesome in that movie. That that might be my favorite. I I, I love that one. I like New Blood, and most people don't like it because they have the whole telekinetic girl. Number one, it's one of the first ones that came hotter was Jason. Oh, yeah, that's true. Number two, they basically took everything that ever happened to Jason and put it on one body. You had, like, a spine popping out. It was pretty gnarly looking. Yeah, the makeup was very good in that one. You know, that movie was actually supposed to be a lot different than the one that got released. There's an MC-17 cut of it out that it got toned down incredibly by the MPAA. The sleeping bag kill, which was pretty good <laughs> oh, yeah. in the finished product. It was, that was supposed to go on a lot longer, yeah. which I think would have been great. What would you say would be your favorite kills in the Friday the 13th Jason X it was not one of my favorites in the series, but I do love that liquid nitrogen kill. That's pretty good. Yes, very inventive death. I think it was part five was the road flare in the mouth was pretty cool. And then there's another one. It's one of the most brutal ones probably in the whole series. I think it's part two. It's when the guy gets chopped in the crotch while he's doing oh, a headstand. part three. It's two or three, yeah. yeah it's one of those. Yeah, it was, well, actually, there's been a couple. The final chapter, a guy gets a spear through the crotch. And then another one gets, like, chopped 
with a machete to the crotch when he's upside down hanging. That's the one I'm and thinking. I think that's also part four. That was really I good. Think there's, I think there's a couple of them. He, he likes to attack the crotch. He does. Drop crotch and machine. I have to say my favorite kills are my like the steer through the couple as she's uh, on top of the guy and Jason goes to hell. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of my favorites. The, the heroin mm-hmm. needle death from Jason Takes Manhattan. That was, that oh was yeah, that was crazy. Also from Jason Takes Manhattan, the Sono Rocks. From Jace Takes Manhattan, I really like the guy getting his head punched clean off his body. Whenever that happens, yeah. I'm cheering. Guy looked like Michael B. Jordan attacking Jason. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite hilarious. Well, I hope that you know all the legal stuff going on with Friday the 13th now, right? I don't know a whole lot of that part of the story. Hopefully we'll actually get another Friday the 13th the way it's going. We're getting a video game pretty soon. That looks, that, that looks, pretty, that looks pretty wicked. I know they're adding single player. That's why they pushed the release. I'm okay with that. It'll be a better game. Definitely. The rights of Friday the 13th are actually in trouble. Essentially, you have the writer of the first one. He's basically exercised in a clause in his contract where he's trying to take the rights of Friday the 13th away from Sean Cunningham. And Sean Cunningham saying that, look, Victor Miller was a writer for hire and that he never actually came up with the script that I just hired him to write the thing. And so it's kind of almost preventing the next movie from coming out. Because I heard there was another one supposed to come out next year. Rick Eisner's doing it, who did uh, the remake of George Romero's The Crazies. A lot of our favorite franchises are actually getting some cool people behind them. I mean, you have John Carpenter, who's writing, executive producing, and doing the score for the new Halloween. That sounds like it could be pretty cool. I think a lot of these franchises are going to be around forever. The good thing about Safe Place is that Safe Place is actually written as a trilogy. But it's not going to be a trilogy in your traditional sense, where that's been too much away. It's not going to follow the same pattern. The three movies in the trilogy are actually going to be completely different movies from one another. Different continuities? Kind of like the old boy Well, uh, how I describe Safe Place to be is more of like a classic 80s homage slasher. And then you're going to have the second one, which is actually called Safe Place, the second story. It's actually true to form because of the title. It's more of like a No Country for Old Men slash The Hitcher type movie. That sounds really cool. And then you're going to have the third one that's going to be the first ever supernatural slasher. Ooh. Interesting. See, I wanted to do something different because sequels, a lot of the times, either take the same pattern or they go off in a direction and you really need to establish when or what venue you're going to do beforehand or else you're going to confuse people. Hopefully with the success of the first one, we'll get those going. Right now, we're hell-bent on trying to finish getting all the little odds and ends for this thing already. Within a month and a half, we're actually going to be shooting Lloyd Kaufman. That's He's awesome, actually, yeah. He has an appearance in the film. That's cool, yeah. We're big uh, Toxic Avenger fans as well, so that's pretty sweet. Big Troba fans over here. I know. I was extremely enamored when he came upon the project. He's such a good hype man, and he's so excited <laughs> and such a good presence. He's going to add a lot, of, a lot of fun to the project. So how did you actually get in touch with him? How did that whole thing happen? Actually, it was a matter of networking strategy. I don't generally wait for people to contact me. I was trying to reach out to several people about small roles in the movie, and a friend of mine told me to reach out to him, said that Coffin's really good with helping young filmmakers get exposure, that he really likes to help out a lot. And so I approached him simply through Facebook. The guy, seemed really excited. I sent him over a script. He said he liked it and the rest was history. And I'm actually going to be filming him outside of the Paradise City Comic Con over on the middle of December, actually. And so that's going to be really cool. Yeah, that's great. He's actually the only notable talent that's actually attached to the project. Um, The actress actually has an award-written movie that just came out called All Through the House. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. I haven't even heard of that. All Through the House is the killer Santa movie that's out right now. Probably one of my favorite horror movies within the past couple years. The lead role in it is this girl, beautiful woman by the name of Ashley Mary Nunez. She recently won a bunch of uh, beauty pageants. She won Miss Galactic. She's been on Sci-Fi's Robot Combat League. And she's actually going to be starring in the remake of Don't Look in the Basement that comes out later this year. And, oh man, she is probably going to be the next big screen queen here in a few minutes. You know, nice. It's getting bigger every single day. That's really exciting. Shocked sometimes. When are you expecting the finished product to be uh, released and out there in, in the theaters or on DVD? Our is we're actually going to be starting to shoot here as 
Florida in the beginning of February, and we're probably going to be looking at targeting our focus production probably around ending maybe April, May, and then we're planning on going and hitting the festival circuit and the convention circuit just to do the word of mouth out there, you know, get that audience and that critical reception so that when we go to an eventual distributor, after we have this final product, that we have all the more evidence to show them that this is going to be something that is going to be pretty cool. There's actually a lot bigger things going on that I can't really talk about right now. We're actually going to have a final trailer along with we're going to be mostly hitting the major video-on-demand platforms and looking at that. You know, we're hopeful for theatrical, but it's one of those things I want to go into it with a certain sense of realism. So what is Safe Place budgeted at, and how did you acquire financing? We are in the midst of finalizing the remainder of the financing for Safe Place. Uh, we have the bulk of it out. We're just securing the last final tidbits of it. We expect to do that by the end of the month, and then we're going to get finished on all the little odds and ends of pre-production. Then everything moves as smoothly as it's looking, and we'll have a lot of big stuff coming. What are the, some of you guys' recent favorite movies? And not just horror movies, but what's some of your guys' really recent favorite movies that are out right now? Well, for horror, John and I just recently saw The Witch, which yeah. I think came out this year or last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just going to say The Witch. And that, that was, was, I was awesome. blown away. I thought it was great. That was uh, really intense movie really scary I'd like to see a new witch movie again i think i need to have a little bit more of a time to sit down it's so, it's so hard now to be able to kind of drown out for a movie and to be able to actually sit down and just kind of focus because either i'm doing too much work or i'm overanalyzing the movie which is an issue that's definitely one of those movies you have to kind of allow it to absorb you and it's one of those that you know it was really well received by critics but when it became to audiences it, it was really tantamount to like it follows yeah. it follows did great with critics but didn't do so well with audiences i like that one too it is kind of a slow moving thing to me yeah and, that, and that's the same thing i kind of thought as well i guess i had a little bit of an interest being it takes place i guess in our region so it's like a, kind of a little interesting look into the history of our part of the world i really yeah. enjoyed tusk <laughs> oh, oh man was but, pretty good. Um, Tusk was just <laughs> an Everything happened so that freaking wrestling match. <laughs> Come on, man. He's trying to give him a second chance. Yeah, <laughs> fight or die. He felt bad. Uh, <laughs> that's why I don't even like, I, I, I sure want to support Kevin Smith and take a chance by Puga Hosers. But I'm sorry, the, the prospect of sausages doesn't really like him. <laughs> that was one of those ones I, I didn't like it as much the second time around. First time I watched it, it's, Pretty I mean, good. it's kind of insane and a little stupid, but I had fun the first time in the theater. Which one was that? Tusk. Oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't get it in the theaters over here. We didn't, we didn't have that pleasure. We didn't scrape the video on We get the short end of the stick over here in the Southeast. We don't get a lot of the hot commodity movies. We have like a, just a three screen art house theater in our area that gets some pretty cool stuff, some pretty cool newer stuff. Yeah, we got the raid there one year. Oh, the raid? That's pretty cool. Little art houses and drive ins and stuff. Man, they're, they're such relics now. I think people need to invest more in reinventing them. At this theater in our area, a lot of it is stuff that seems kind of stale, and I wish they would get more of the low budget genre films. It's, like it's a lot of dramas with old English people and stuff like that. They pick the movies there to appeal to their audience which is typically older people in people general. in like their 50s and over a lot yeah. of the time so they don't get a lot of the uh, cool okay. younger stuff okay so you have stuff like guarding tests with Nicolas Cage and Glenn Close on the screen yeah something yeah, like, that. like that <laughs> have you seen the trailer for this USS Indianapolis or something that's Nicolas Cage and Tom Sizemore against terrible GI killer sharks I have not. That sounds interesting. That though. does sound really strange. Believe it or not, it's not a sci-fi channel movie. It's <laughs> somehow it's a major theatrical movie. Yeah, you never know where you're going to find Nicolas Cage these days. It's usually somewhere weird. I think they should just do a, a face-off sequel and get it over with. Oh, be I'd be down. I'm in. All in. They can get John Woo back. Well, Travolta hasn't done anything in a few years. What's the last thing he did? I don't know. I can't even think of the last thing that Travolta's done. Dig his ass up. Hairspray or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't been seeing uh, too many horror movies lately, but I have been watching all of the uh, Alien and Predator movies. Do you have any uh, comment about those? And the crossovers. Oh, the Alien and the Predator movies. Well, of course, I love them. This is just on the 30th anniversary. I read some really cool stuff that I didn't even know about the movie. Like, for instance, that Michael Bean was like a last-minute addition to the film that they still actually had in the theatrical cuts and the director's cuts footage of the back of James Remar's head when it was still him before he got replaced, you know, stuff like that. They weren't sure if they were going to have the money for all the cuts they had and the storage in the beginning. Like, they weren't sure that they were going to have all the money for it. I think one of the really cool things I saw was that Paul Rudd, who played such a douchebag in the film, his real-life sister went with him to the premiere and, like, beat the absolute hell out of him. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> That movie was okay. The Miller Rider was more out of place than she would have been in, in Ted Free, okay? It's not I a mean, it, horror movie, it's like an action movie. It kind of also ticked me off that you had both these franchises that were both really hard R rated franchises. And then, so what do you do when it comes time to make a, a, a spin off of the both of them? You make it PG 13. That I kind of had a problem with. My roommate was fortunate enough to have the unrated director's cut. I was a little bit alleviated of that. What was the werewolf movie that Wes Craven did a few years ago? That cursed. And oh, yeah. it was for two. They ended up having this unrated cut that was no freaking better than the first one. I'm sorry, I don't like to stare at Christina Ricci for an hour and a half. And <laughs> there's no more going on. I don't like the PG 13 horror movies. Very few and far between. You know, somebody's like, oh, you don't need to have an R rated movie to have a scary movie. I'm sorry, a lot of the times, in order to make decent horror movies, you need that R. No, I absolutely yeah. agree. R for radical. If it's an R movie, I feel like you have uh, way less restrictions yeah. as to what you can do with the material. Oh, of course. Then R isn't just about violence. Like, now they have one that's called thematic material. It's rated for thematic material. Okay, is that really, you know, how we are now? That thematic material is scaring us? That's Florence, PG-13. That's why I have no idea that Safe Place is going to be an R. It's going to be a very hard R. Hard mind you. R. There was actually a, a scene that I had to cut out that would have put us in jeopardy of borderline rated X and C-17. Which oh, wow. was the graphic, graphic death of a minor child. Like, a beating death. And yeah. it was just something I was comfortable with. I was like, yeah, this is never going to get us an R rating. So I just gave it up. What horror movie or movies really scare you the most? Really freak you out? Oh, well, see, it's really hard to scare me now. It yeah. was a lot easier when I was a kid. What horror movies gave you, like, nightmares when you were a kid? I remember it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, it's freaked the <laughs> fuck out of me, man. So scared about what they're going to do with the reboot of it. I'm really hoping that they go directly to the book and they don't shy away and try and make it too kid-friendly. Mm. I'm sorry, if I have to see a Twilight version of this, I'm going to be like, is Pennywise, you know, grazing Kristen Stewart's hair. We all float. Oh, boy. Well, are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Yeah, we have to know. <laughs> Public needs uh, to know. I'm sorry, I'd be Godfrey before any of that, okay? <laughs> premiere of the original film on television and just getting like glimpses of it when I would like try to get water as a kid. I was freaked out by the idea of the movie and I walked into a particularly violent part of it. I just ran out of the room screaming. <laughs> of course seeing it again as an adult I was like this movie's fucking it's tons of fun. Boring. That's a great question. What movie were you so impressed with as a kid that you watch as an adult and you're like how did I ever like this? <laughs> the Page Master. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the shit out of that as a kid. We watched it together like several years ago, and I was like, this movie sucks ass. <laughs> Mine was probably the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't see now that. I watched it, and I'm like, oh, my God. How is this a worldwide phenomenon? Yeah, I thought it was cool shit when I was a kid. Are you talking about the movie or the show or both? I'm kind of talking about both. 
I had an ex that had two little boys that frequently watched the new one. Oh, shit. There's one out now that's like, they can turn into any Power Rangers from any season from the 90s on. That's crazy. So I'm like, okay, I guess Power Rangers is still around like 20 years later. Well, they keep making new versions of it. I know there's one where like their master was like a CGI <laughs> hamster. Yeah, there's one where they're wizards. There's <laughs> dinosaur people. Dino Thunder. <laughs> like lizard people. There's one where they're plumbers, and there's one where they're UCLA graduates. <laughs> oh boy. There's ones where they're Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the worst. Uh, I actually, um, I don't know if you saw the trailer. The new one actually looks pretty wicked. Oh, that's right. It is huh. getting a reboot, isn't it? The power? Yeah, and I mean, they have Brian Cranston and Sword On. Oh, what? You better not be putting me on, dude. This Holy sounds cow. awesome. Get out of town right now. And see, I think if we're going to do the Brian Cranston thing with Sword On, Aaron Paul's got to come in at some point and just be like, what, bitch? Yeah, he, he should can, be uh, Billy. Uh, a robot. He should, be, he should be Billy. Ay, 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 bitch. Yeah. Rangers, we need to cook. Ay, 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 ay. Rangers, the crystal's not selling at the point that you see. <laughs> I love when I'll glimpse across one of the new seasons and we'll have one of the old characters in, like Jason David Frank, who I heard is such a great guy. I always see him doing a whole bunch of charity stuff, and he's been in some of the recent reincarnations of the Power Rangers. He still kicks ass like he did when he was like 17, 18. Good. I, I watched Ernest Scared Stupid last night. Oh. <laughs> we just recently watched that. <laughs> I thought I it was pretty cool. Years, so it was actually still reasonably funny. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I liked that one. I had never seen it before until like a week ago. It was your first one. You never saw Ernest Scared Stupid until like a week ago? Yeah, I never terrible. saw any Ernest movies when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, me I've either. Seen, oh, well, I've seen Sadly. since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it my whole life. Yeah, me and Mac were Ernest Virgins. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna say it like that. Yeah, I gotta say it like that. I couldn't watch the movie. Okay, so these kids are out with this strange, like, 15 year old man for days building this freaking treehouse. <laughs> it was a more innocent time, I guess. Yeah, uh, people left their doors unlocked. You didn't have to ask questions about nothing. In the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't have crime back then. Okay, it's not like oh, it's just I love some of those. Yeah, I love a lot of the ones that cross over the family and the horror, like Monster Squad. How do you guys feel about them doing a Universal Monster? Universe. It sounds sort of interesting. I don't know if it'll be well executed. They did a lot of those movies in the 30s and 40s. There are a lot of those movies that had two or three of the monsters in one movie. So maybe they could do it again. House of but... Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Abba Costello. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to work because from what I hear at best, so far I know that Tom Cruise is like starring in The Mummy. <laughs> That's perfect. No, he's perfect for that. Would have him play this Doctor Jekyll. He's playing like the Brendan Fraser character. If Brendan Fraser is still alive somewhere, I don't think he is. Brendan Fraser, I think, is working in a Whataburger in Encino or something. Probably. Yeah, he's hanging out with Polly Shore somewhere, getting drunk. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Yes, they are shooting Encino Man too. There you go. I've been waiting all this time for a sequel. I don't know what's been taking him so long. What the hell? I I worked at a store that sold the movies for a long time, and that was a heavily sought-after movie. Like anything with Polly Shore in it, that, and Maximum Overdrive. Oh, Everybody can yeah. look into those, because they're out of print. I think the only Polly Shore one I liked was, I can't think of the title of it. He is dating that really hot chick from Sin City, and he goes to meet her parents and her farmers or something. I remember the cover of him looking like an idiot holding a pitchfork. <laughs> I can't the name of it. That's what it was called. I can't think of the chick, but it was not just the album. It was the one that gets naked in the beginning of Sin City. She was an entourage. You know, they stayed and all of them should just do a network TV show together and just get it over with. Molly <laughs> Short, Andy Dick, David Spade. <laughs> all, the, all the guys that nobody wants. Rob Schneider. David Faustino. If you could see any show from your childhood reinvented, what would it be? Manos, The Hands of Fate. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like yeah. they could make it good somehow. I think if it could they, be a good horror movie. If they had made it any other way than the way that they did. Yeah. <laughs>
the uh, actual sound and stuff. I want to see Torgo again, man. Let's bring back to Torgo. Miss him. Questions I would have to do Masters of the Universe, but do it like serious and like epic. Who get... the people that did Xena and Terminator? <laughs> Hercules Legendary Journeys. Sliders. I want to see redone. Sliders. Wait, what's Sliders? I've never it's, seen Sliders. It's a sci-fi channel oh, show. series be rebooted. I think I would want Samurai Jack so we could get an actual ending to that series. I don't know if you remember Street Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, something like that. I'm excited that X-Files got greenlit for the 11th and 12th season. Did they air that new season yet? I thought they did. There was like a mini series that was on for a while. It was like yeah. 10 episodes mm-hmm. they made. Yeah, it was like 10 episodes or something like that and they're gonna do the same thing for at least I hope that that's good. The movie they did in 2008, I want to believe, I thought was really oh, bad. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> I really regretted going to see that in the theater. Is that the one that was the standalone story, or was that the one that was connected to the colonization storyline? That was the standalone story with that Scottish comedian from the wow. Boondock Saints who's <laughs> playing like a pedophile priest, and there's like <laughs> some weird shit with Russian no, um, organ trafficking. Um, the guy that tried to look like the doctor in Independence Day. That was pretty weak. I think that was a victim of circumstance. I don't think they really were able to put... Because before the first movie, they promoted their shit out of it. Yeah. And then the second movie came around and they didn't take any time to promote it or anything. Yeah, I thought the first movie was pretty good. If you could wipe one bad horror movie from existence, like totally wipe it off the face of the earth, what movie would you pick? Well, I think I'm going to have to bring up our man Nicholas Cage here and think back to the time that I that me and a date paid to go see the Wicker Man remake. <laughs> <laughs> so I paid money for that movie. That sucks. The only good thing in that movie was watching Nicolas Cage punch Berta from two and a half men in the face. Some of the scenes where he's really going buck wild, I enjoy, but it's a pretty bad movie. <laughs> No, not the bees! Sorry, not the bees! Large, yeah. How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! <laughs> Poor Nicholas Cage. It's like every other movie he does is okay. Every other good movie he does is shit. It's like two but steps forward, one step back. I've had for like six months, and I don't know whether or not I want to watch it. I flip to it, it's like, do I really want to waste an hour of my time on the Man Nicholas Cage, or am I going to get on in 60 seconds, Nicholas Cage? Yeah, there's like crazy cage and then like really subdued cage, and it's always a gamble. Am I gonna get eight millimeter Nicholas Cage or am I gonna get a snake eyes Nicholas Cage? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like the weird ass version of Bad Lieutenant that he was in, the Werner Herzog one from 09. Port of Call, New Orleans. One thing that he did that he was like an ambulance driver and he was going like freaking oh. nuts. Bringing Out the Dead as a Scorsese movie. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I don't remember that from the visuals of that movie. That was pretty good, crazy cage. You can do old Nicolas Cage. You can go back way far. Like 16 candles, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in that. Yeah, he was one of John Cusack's friends. One of Anthony Michael Hall and John Cusack's friends. Yeah. I don't even think he was actually credited. I don't think I've seen anything he was in before uh, Raising Arizona, but that was a great one, I thought. Yeah, that was Coen Brothers, right? Their second feature they did. What's your favorite Coen Brothers? That's a tough one. Burn After Reading for me. I have to say No Country for Old Men. That's one of mine. I got a few, really. That one's up there. Big Lebowski's up there. Raising Arizona's up there. Have you, Keith, you've seen many? With Coen Brothers, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and The Big Lebowski. Yeah. That I've really seen. But I liked them both. I thought they were both pretty good movies. Did he do The Monuments Men? The one that was with Clooney, John Goodman, and... I think that was somebody else, but it, it kind of seems like it's something they would do. I think it was bugging me the other day because I couldn't figure out who ended up doing that. That was a I wanted to see that. It looked interesting. I'm a big John Goodman guy. The other morning I was watching Chad, and I forgot that Goodman had a really, really brief role. Yeah, John Goodman's just great in everything. The roles that he did was a gun dealer and the father of Garrett Hedlund and Death Sentence from 2007, the Kevin Bacon one. It's been as James Wan. Okay. It's uh, right after he did, I think it was the first or the second song. It's written by the same writing team that wrote Death Wish. Okay. It's like a revenge <laughs> that sounds that intense. Sounds that nuts. sounds pretty cool, though. Who would you see as your favorite director's out right now? 
favorite directors out right now, at least for like recent horror movies that I liked, a lot of them seem to be first time directors. Ty West was pretty cool. House Ty West just did House of the Devil. Oh, did you see Ty West, The Sacrament? Oh. No, I wanted to. It was kind of like a Jonestown cult thing. Yes. I highly, highly recommend watching that. I've been meaning to see that. That looks pretty cool. And of course, people like A.J. Bowen from Your Neck. It's a great movie, especially since stuff like House of the Devil. I haven't seen enough to really like know their names, I guess. It Follows. I think that guy's only made like one other movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. You mentioned The Witch. I think that was a first-time director. I saw a New Zealand horror comedy recently called The Housebound that just came out this year. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah, I thought that was awesome, and it reminded reminded me a lot of The People Under the Stairs, which we just did for the show. Yeah, <laughs> nice. It's got a lot of similarities. It's really fun. Yeah, I'm actually pretty decent friends with uh, Sean Whelan, one of the kids from People Under the Stairs. He's one of the Lake Boyle brothers and It's Always Sunny. Oh, wow. Was it the guy that played Roach in that movie? Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Shit. That's, that's awesome. Weird. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, nuts. That's really cool. Wow, I thought he looked familiar. I never put time. that together, but I definitely I can see it. Oh my! Me too. I've only seen like three or four. I would probably even put that above Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a movie that I like quite a lot. But it was really excellent. House on the left. I haven't seen that one yet. I heard it's a pretty rough watch. Yeah, that's one that I have a hard time sitting through. Watching an hour and 20 minutes of a woman being brutalized and then 10 minutes of revenge just doesn't really do it for me. It's not my thing, I guess. Everybody's different, you know. Some people can do, you know, what they call torture porn. Some people can't. You know, me, I'm kind of desensitized. I can watch some really brutal stuff, especially the horror ones. There's Frontiers, which is a movie that came out in 2011. It's about, there's like a modern French revolution going on. These writers end up with a neo-Nazi cult and get hardcore tortured. God damn. Speaking of fucked up movies, have you seen Enter the Void, the <laughs> Gaspar Noe film? I have not. I am not really a Gaspar Noe fan. I don't think I am um, either. I don't think so. <laughs> Is anybody really? <laughs> That's a good question. That's like Antichrist. Oh, you know, I love... I think it was Lars von Trier from Denmark. Very long lines of that kind of stuff. I think the worst movie I've ever seen as far as hardcore would have to be like a Serbian film. And yeah, I, oh, I was yeah. just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, we watched that. I think we all just fucking hated it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I didn't make it about like maybe 45 minutes into it, so I couldn't do it anymore. We, we got really it. drunk, so yeah. that helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same way we got through Human Centipede too. Just got hammered. I don't know if I could do a drunk man. That, that <laughs> might make me a little bit more liable to gag. That's <laughs> a good. That turned your stomach all the way up. Yeah. It did, right? You felt it. I feel boiling. Sorry, some of the stuff with the baby and the necrophilia. Come on, man. It's just sick for the sake of being sick. I yeah. Show some class. <laughs> I have not watched one of the Human Centipedes. Oh, we've seen because them all. I really <laughs> yeah, we've seen them all. I have no desire to see it. There's no value, no story behind it. The first one is a lot more tame than you would think. There's really not much gore. It's more, it's kind of the idea of it is what sicks you out. Yeah. And then the second one is really disgusting. It's just cranked <laughs> yeah. right up to 11. And the third one's just out of this fucking world. It's really insane. weird. That one takes place in a prison, and they, like, turn the whole prison into a centipede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. I'm sorry, you know, if I want to see a bunch of people go ass to mouth, then I'll just turn on C-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> I a good don't point. need to see it being directed in a way here that is supposed to shock me. Oh, gosh. I'll say this for it. Dieter Laser, who, this German actor, is really good in the first and third ones mm -hmm. in terms of just over-the-top crazy performances. They're pretty stupid movies, though, you're right. See, that's why I was trying to, you know, instill some confidence in my cast and crew, and it's like, look, man, if Ginger Deadman versus Evil Bong can make it out, <laughs> then I understand that there's a niche for stuff like that. But it's like, come on, over-the-top actors. And I know Tara Reid needs a job, Okay, I'll give Tara Reid a job if she wants to come to a Virginia movie and stop chasing green screen shark nidos. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some concerns going into production? The concern is always go 
all about money. It's right now we're trying to here's a little bit of the money that we need for this thing. We're trying to go the private route instead of having to go the crowdfunding route because crowdfunding is something that's unfortunately it's like a dying breed. It's just one of those things. We have a lot of people and a lot of love and a lot of real big dedication put into this thing and it's all for you guys. It's all for the audience. It's all for the fans. You know, I want to make a horror movie for the fans. I don't want to make a horror movie with my own agenda. I want to do something that leaves a mark and that's different and that people at the end of the day will look at and have some sort of feeling from it and evoke some sort of emotional response. Have there been any sacrifices or changes you had to make to your script going forward into production? We, from the beginning, have wanted to go the practical effects route, which is one of the things that we're still doing. You know, it's 150% practical effects, no computer going whatsoever. You know, a lot of the sacrifices, we've had to change locations a couple times. All areas of Central Florida aren't the greatest. We're still very adamant about making this a very big Florida movie. Really drawing some attention to the local filmmakers and local town. I would have to say, as far as any sacrifices, you know, it's mostly had to have been with aesthetic. Stuff like uh, a lot of the movie takes place in the rain and just to cut costs and stuff like that. But I've been very fortunate that I have a really good team of both cast and crew that is here pretty much knowing that they're not making a whole hell of a lot from this. We've had the pleasure of safe place six months in and only six months on one single social media platform has an organic reach of over 13,000 people. That is insane. In six months, even before there's actual footage out. There are teaser trailers out that I've conceived and some of my creative team has conceived. It's mostly stock footage. And it's just one of those things that I made it very adamant that I wanted to establish a presence for safe place before we even start production. I do things like viral marketing. If you go onto the Facebook page, there's a lot of really cool stuff that I've done and that we continue to do. It's one of those things that I've been very fortunate that I haven't had to sacrifice a lot. Just in general, what advice would you give to anybody who wants to do what you do, who wants to get a low-budget movie, indie movie going, getting it off the ground? It's about dedication and it's about passion. There's been a lot of times that I've gone through this and people, you know, quite honestly ask me, they're like, how many years of film school did you do? And I'm like, I don't have a day in film school. Oh, well, you, you must have had the filmmaking or screenwriting or this or that as your major in college. I never graduated from college. I'm a guy who knows what it takes in order to scare people and what it takes to hopefully make a great movie. It just so happens that my passion and the story for this thing has resonated with enough people to where they, in turn, have a great confidence in it, to where we're trying like hell to get this thing made. So I would tell everybody and anybody, just do it. Just go out there. Six months ago, I had no idea that it was going to get the attention that it's getting now. And now I have podcasts and radio shows and talk shows scheduled all the way until February. This is in the for me. So I have a radio show in the Netherlands. I'm oh, done wow. in January. Later in the month, I have a radio show in the UK. If I can do it, I'm going to be perfectly honest with everybody here, listeners and you guys alike. I there's frequently eight times Twitter. I don't have money to eat. I don't have money to pay my bills. But I struggle and I fight. No matter what happens, as long as you have that passion, you can make it happen. That's great advice. I never thought that it was going to end up like this. People just kind of surprise me, and people will surprise you. You know, if you believe in something enough, just give it to somebody and let them take a look at it. Everybody's got a story to tell. Everybody has some sort of event that's happened to them in their lives that is story-esque. That's what's really been the vein of a lot of some of the greatest movies in history. You know, it's not necessarily somebody's imagination, but that's true. That's some nice. really good advice, actually. Uh, that's cool that you didn't have to go to school to do this. Seems like there's more and more jobs these days where just to get your foot in the door, you have to get that degree, that piece of paper. But yeah, if you have a story to tell, I guess that's all you need. When I wrote Safe Place, it was 10 years ago. It was a little basic slasher project, and it just evolved and evolved, evolved. Now, I mean, I have freaking wood cost who's going to be in the movie. You know, I have this up-and-coming screen queen. You know, I'm talking to other people. We have an editor-in-chief of a very prominent horror magazine. You know, trailers out and soundtrack tracks out that we never thought that we would have six months behind us. Just goes to show you that 
you don't have to be rich or have connections or know the right people. You just have to get out there, talk to people. You know, I've had the pleasure of talking to a lot of really big genre people. Everybody's like, how do you get a hold of these people? Because, yeah, I don't really want to mention his name, but there was a cast member from one of the Child's Play movies that okay. I recently talked to about being a part of Safe Place, and his heart wasn't really in much anymore. He wanted to do it mostly for the money, which is respectable, but it's one of those things that I understood. Everybody won't always feel the same way as everybody else, but everybody was like, how did you reach out to this guy? I just messaged him. I just reached out to him and asked him. I didn't treat him like he was the I treated him as if he was a real, honestly, a best person, which he was. Well, that's really cool. That is pretty inspiring stuff. That and then the relationships that I get with guys like you to where I can come on these podcasts about movies with people who love movies just get out promote each other because this stuff you know Facebook and you know all these podcasts it's all about networking it's all about cross promotion and helping everybody out that's in the industry you know you guys I consider in the industry as much as I consider myself in the industry or anybody else well thank you you know everybody's got to stick together there's a very you know notable reason why the entertainment field is so alive and well for as long as it has been and has no sign of shutting down. I'm sorry, they're not going to replace us, the talkers, the idea makers with computers. That's We're true. still going to be there at the end of the day. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really did not expect to hear from a filmmaker this soon in the yeah. game. We've only been really doing this since this past winter, so it was a nice surprise. It's really cool and exciting, too, to actually hear from like a professional. It really puts things into perspective. I appreciate it as much as you guys. As I tell everybody when I go on their podcasts or their radio shows, well, I want to maintain this relationship. Um, we're going to be going into filming in February, even during filming or possibly after filming. I would totally love to come on and uh, you know, maybe come on with a couple members of the cast and you know, get out there. And I'll promote you guys tomorrow. You promote and make this a long-standing thing for a while. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. It'd be exciting to talk to you later on in the process. Yeah, see how it's going. Have it come full circle. Make a human centipede of our own. <laughs> yeah, without the Eskimo. <laughs> you can be the head, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what they told to Trump to. <laughs> see ya, guys. I mean, it's been a blast. Let me do this again. You know, maybe I'll bring my lady next time we'll chat even we'll chat even more help. you know I may want to you guys can record directly from the set or something we can do it live from the set field oh wow if, oh, I, cool. if we can get down there then hell yeah that'd be awesome speaking yeah. of which if you ever find yourself in Maine we do have a film festival right in our area the Maine International Film Festival they don't have a lot of horror but I'm hoping you could maybe change that that'd be awesome absolutely guys quite a bit of bath salts too but I do hear about an alarming amount of cannibalism in Florida <laughs> it seems like usually if there's a story about cannibalism it's usually down there somewhere yeah we have all the fun stuff happen to us and we have the alligators that always kill the children the people that always kill each other oh yeah if you're trying to make a, a horror movie we're, 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 like, we're like Los Angeles in the late 80s how are you going to celebrate Halloween this year Halloween is actually going to be pretty freaking boring Well, that sounds like a pretty good way to do it. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's great, and so I couldn't ask to spend a better day with her. So, yeah, thanks again for coming on, and I hope we hear from you again down the road. Absolutely, guys. Definitely keep in touch. And with anybody that wants to know more about Safe Place, go on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash movie. And from there, you can find a link to the teaser trailers. You can find a link to some songs from the soundtrack, some pictures of our cast. We actually have a really big thing going on right now. That if you're one of the next 50 people to like and share the Safe Place Facebook page, then you'll be put on an exclusive list where you'll get an advanced digital copy of Safe Place before anybody else gets it. Oh, wow. That 
is very cool. That's mondo cool. <laughs> if you, if I may. <laughs> exactly. So get on the page, like it. We're like forty likes away from a thousand in six months. That's really good progress. So everybody needs to get out there. Support your local filmmakers and support indie filmmakers. Absolutely. Agreed. All right, so Nick, thanks a lot, and we will yeah. talk to you again, I hope. It's yeah, been a pleasure. You. Absolutely, guys. Great night. You too, yeah, man. You too. Have take, a good one. Take it easy. Bye, guys. He can't see you. What's wrong with you? That's what makes it even worse. <laughs> God damn it. That's what makes it even worse. Well, that was really cool. So um, you all heard it here first. Bitch. Safe place. Coming soon. Check Nick it Hunt. out. So I hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Nicholas Damien Hunt, writer-director of Safe Place coming 2017. Get into his good graces and like that Facebook page. Like that page. Facebook page. Get yourself early access to the film. And get yourself a digital copy of the movie for free. It's a deal you can't pass up. What's better than free? Seriously. <laughs> I guess he could like give you a five dollar bill with a digital copy that you can print out on your computer that would be pretty good <laughs> that'd be sweet so don't forget about us though check us out monocoolmoviedudes.com check us out on itunes subscribe rate us five stars please i also on google play stitcher soundcloud and youtube for a full list of places to listen to the show go to monocoolmoviedudes.com slash links and don't forget to like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at mondo cool movies and you can email us it's like this cool guy did mondo cool guy did yeah at mondo cool movies at gmail.com and coming soon will be our review of Jason X. Alright, bye guys. Bye. Take it easy. Directly at the goal.